for all Bros can suck my balls Fuck your reply guys Please don't fuck your reply guys Just listen to reply guys Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys. The leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us. I am Kate Willett. I'm Julia Clare. We're recording a little early this week. It was Halloween last night. Last night, uh, Kate had a killer Marianne Williamson costume. It was so good. I thought you were Elizabeth Holmes. I was Elizabeth Holmes. And as Elizabeth Holmes, you endorsed Andrew Yang. Yes. um, Which is something I've been wanting to do for a while now, is make a video. Endorse Andrew Yang. As Elizabeth Holmes. Like, do a video where Elizabeth Holmes endorses Andrew Yang, because I know she does. I know in her heart that she does. Um, You know who else I bet is going to support Andrew Yang? Who? Beto. No. Beto just dropped out. Beto just dropped out, which I just oh. found out oh, when I came over here. Okay, so th- Beto, he is a white guy. He is unemployed and he is a skater. He is <laughs> He's a skater. He is at high risk for joining the Yang gang. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you just see Beto being like, well, the thing is, is like you ever really like heard about how cool this guy is, you know? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. the The most recent iteration of Beto's campaign, uh, its final form, uh, rest in power, Beto's campaign, um, rest in power. It, um, <laughs> it was, you know, I liked it because he was just the like, he was the fuck yeah, we're taking your guns guy, which I like. I don't know. He, especially the fuck. Yeah. I love that he says fuck. I love that he was our controversial skater. Yeah. I mean, there really hasn't been a politician trying that hard with profanity since Rom, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess he, you're right. He, he took a page out of the Rom Emanuel playbook. Yeah. Actually, you know who, you know who curses a ton? Who? Kirsten Gillibrand. Oh, does she? Yeah, she uh, she did this after the, the 2016 election. She was making a speech, I think, about how like distraught she was that Democrats lost. And she said, we aren't making enough of a case to average working people. And if we're not fighting for working people, what the fuck are we doing here? And I was like, all right, that's good. What a There's been a shit ton of, of stuff that's happened in the past week. Last week, uh, Kate told me about what was happening with Katie Hill, um, who is a member of Congress from California representing Santa Clarita Valley and the Antelope Valley, where I'm from. I'm yeah. from the Santa Clarita Valley of Los Angeles County. So let's give a little background. Yeah. Katie Hill, she's 32 years old. She is an out bisexual congressperson. She was elected in 2018 um, in a sweep of blue victories. And um, I thought that this was really super cool at the time because the Santa Clarita Valley where I'm from has been uh, notoriously conservative. The congressperson before that was Steve Knight. He was super racist, super anti-choice um, and, you know, just a really fucked up guy. And I honestly didn't see a Democrat being elected in that area. Um Although it did go for Hillary, which I was very relieved about. Um, But yeah, growing up, it was just like 
you know, so, so much like George W. Bush propaganda everywhere and, you know, very, very conservative area. Uh, a lot of evangelical Christians, a lot of Mormons. So like the fact that like an openly bisexual woman won, even though she is more centrist, it was really inspiring to me to see um, that level of, of change has happened. And, you know, she was profiled in that Netflix documentary with AOC. Um, and it was it was really cool. Uh, but this scandal um, even though it's kind of silly to call it that, uh, emerged in the past couple weeks, there was, um, some photos of her on red state that her abusive ex-husband released to red state. And, um, it included, uh, pictures of her, uh, with a young female staffer and, um, as part of like a consensual threesome. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... Uh, I mean, I think that that topic is up for debate. Is it consensual if the person works for you? You know? I don't know. So, obviously, there are power dynamics that are always involved in something like that. But I... Like, I think the fact that there are power dynamics that played... It's certainly a messier situation. It's a little bit more gray but yeah, I mean, I think I mostly agree with you. I guess like the where this argument starts making me uncomfortable, not with you right now, but just like in, in general, is I feel like the way that a lot of people talked about this and like, oh, you know, it was consensual and stuff. It reminded me a lot of the rhetoric that feminists used around Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, which obviously like that's a bigger power differential. The age difference was much bigger. He was the president of the United States. You know, but so I I think a mitigating factor here is that um, and it was also partially I mean that in that case at the time and obviously she was much younger then, but that is how Monica described it was a like consensual relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, you know, yes, consensual is it is consensual, but um, there are extenuating circumstances that make it messier and you shouldn't fuck your interns. Yeah, you shouldn't fuck your uh your subordinates yeah she was also so i guess katie hill and her husband were also in a throuple with this woman and katie hill i think was also involved with another staffer um the female staffer that we were talking about originally i guess that relationship started actually before katie hill was elected so Mm -hmm. like they were you know so that's kind of its own set of things i mean the the overarching thing here is that like Katie Hill is the victim of revenge porn here, which is that's the story. And she she has resigned. I personally do not think a male congressman, certainly not a Republican man, uh, would ever resign over something like this. But apparently Nancy Pelosi pressured her to resign. And I think that part of that is basically the the Democrats goal to be the more morally upstanding party uh it, it you know it's kind of like the al franken situation yeah and nancy pelosi had some real shitty comments about it um she was basically saying you know well you got to be really careful what you put on social media and that's so fucked up because it's like she didn't put these on social media this was like revenge porn this was her husband releasing private photos exactly. to get revenge yeah. on her um yeah, I don't know. I, I was thinking about this story because I think that probably most of my friends see it the way that I think you see it, which is that 
do you think she should not have resigned right or do you think she should have i mean i think that having any sort of romantic relationship with your subordinates when you're an elected official is inappropriate yeah certainly i don't like it i don't like it for men or women or anyone in between i just uh i mean the story here should be the revenge porn aspect of it that's what i think yeah and i i'm definitely like sympathetic to that i'm definitely sympathetic to that angle and i i certainly think that the revenge porn and um the abusive behavior of her ex-boyfriend is criminal i think he should go to jail california has um revenge porn laws yeah um some of the strongest in the country so that some I, of the first yeah and i hope that this guy gets his fucking comeuppance because he is a trash bag but i was you know i've been talking about this story with a lot of my friends and um you know i th- i think i feel strongly that she should have resigned um, I, yeah i'll agree with you there yeah. I, I don't I, I i think that you know when you're an elected official yeah it, you are being kind of entrusted with certain responsibilities and certain like a certain faith of the community that elected you and I do think that that has been compromised because even taking the revenge porn aspect out of this story I don't think it's appropriate to have to have a relationship like that with your staffers yeah and I guess like one thing that made this kind of one thing I was thinking about in light of this story is when people hear a story about um, sexual abuse, you know, I think oftentimes people are people strongly identify with one side or another. I think that's part of the reason that men get so defensive about like, Oh, well, like how do we know that these aren't like fake rape accusations, you know, because they're identifying with the guy. They like see themselves in the man. And in this story, it's absolutely not clear cut because Katie Hill uh, is both the victim of a crime. And she's also a creep herself in my opinion. And (laughs) I think that when I hear this story, maybe having been uh, a young bisexual myself, um, having like been hit on by so many like older married couples in kind of messed up power dynamic situations. Like I just, I feel an identification with the woman who worked for her, you Mm -hmm. know? And, you know, I, so I think it's like, I hear this story as a story about Katie Hill being a predator and like, I, you know, I think that the reason that I hear it that way is is because is is influenced at least mm-hmm. by like who I am. And, you know, I also with like my friends, especially the guys that are like identifying strongly with like how fucked up it is that um, there was, you know, was revenge porn. Like, I, you know, I like I'm appreciative that especially like there's men who identify with the fact that that's like a terrible, terrible thing. And I do, too. But I guess just like my gut reaction when I hear the story, like I do feel like I deeply feel the inappropriateness of like being a 32 year old boss and having this relationship with someone that much younger than you, you know, who works for you. Yeah. I guess it's, I mean, the hammer falls on women 10 times as hard as it does on men. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's a, it's a complicated situation, obviously. And especially if it's like, it's clear that it's been going on with the two of them for a long time. But or a longer time than just when she was elected. But but yeah, it's complicated. She's, yeah, she stepped down today. I mean, Scott Brown, the former uh, 
senator of the very the very brief senator in Massachusetts uh, literally posed in Playgirl. Yeah. Uh, and and then he lost his I mean, he he did that a, a long time ago, but it truly did like everyone knew about it. it didn't make a difference for him. Um, yeah, it's very stupid. Yeah, um, it's, it's stupid and gross. And hopefully, you know, hopefully if there's other situations um, where nude photos are released of somebody or whatever, maybe like they had them up somewhere or whatever. Like, I really hope that the next time that happens, it is in no way like connected to abusing another person, a mm-hmm. third person. So that like, it, I, I hope that we get to see people stand up for like, no, you should not be punished if like naked photos of you come out somehow. Because I mean, that, like, that's really fucked up. Yeah. And that was like the entire early aughts was just like people releasing photos of female celebrities naked without their like. Yeah. Do you remember like all the like upskirt photos of like Britney Spears and Lindsay oh, Lohan? Oh yeah, they were so fucked up. And also like Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton. The sex tape. Yeah. The sex tape, which her ex-boyfriend rick solomon released without her consent i mean she was so much younger than him and i think she was like 20 when that when that happened so speaking of something that is good (laughs) what a transition um the chicago teacher strike is over and the teachers union has won a lot of victories which is awesome um got some class size caps um 35 million um in funding to fund class size relief um, which basically means hiring new teachers yeah more teachers more nurses more social workers um staffing aimed at special ed and english learners um you know so this is awesome go chicago teachers union congrats ctu Um, also um very close to my hometown um the teachers in dedham massachusetts also um, have settled with their school district. Um, even though in uh, Massachusetts, public sector employees are um, legally barred from striking, which sucks. And that is based on a law from 1919. It should only apply to police and fire, in my opinion. But go off. <laughs> go off, Dedham Teachers Union. Speaking of going off, we have a strong candidate for Reply Guy of the Week. Um, he is actually a... He, I don't know if you know this about him, but he's... maybe he's, our most famous Reply Guy of he, the Week. He's mainly known for being uh, friends with Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> you may have heard him... You may have heard him mentioned by Joe Biden every 10 seconds. Um, Former President of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama. Okay, so Barack Obama uh, has taken on woke call-out culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we will play this clip for you now. You know, this, this idea of purity and you're never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff, I, you should get over that quickly. The world, the world is messy. There are ambiguities. People who do really good stuff have flaws. People who you are fighting may love their kids. And, you know, share certain things with you. And, and, and I think that one danger I see among young people, particularly on college campuses, Malia and I talk about this. Yara goes to school with my daughter. Um, but I do get a sense sometimes now among certain young people, and this is accelerated by social media, 
there is this sense sometimes of the way of me making change is to be as judgmental as possible about other people. And that's enough. Like if I tweet or hashtag about how you didn't do something right or used the word wrong verb or then I can sit back and feel pretty good about myself because man, you see how woke I was? I called you out. <laughs> Let me get on TV, <laughs> watch my show, watch Gronish. <laughs> um, you know, that's not that's not activism. That that's not bringing about change. <laughs> I love what was, it. What was this in the context of, by the way? Do you know? It was at the Obama Foundation summit. It's funny because I feel like we've seen so many comedians come out against woke culture and call out culture or whatever and like this whole idea that like everybody is just triggered all the time but i didn't really expect to see uh barack obama chime in on this um i he has he does have a netflix special coming up so <laughs> maybe that's part of the promo he's been on uh letterman's netflix show too um i agree with like a kernel of what he's saying particularly in the in the aspect of like I think that one of the most deleterious aspects of a certain strain of woke culture is like expecting everyone to have been perfect on everything forever. And that is like, I, I agree with him on that. I just think that it's like, he doesn't need to comment on this. I don't know. Like, that's like, yeah. I, I mean, know. what I feel like he's doing is kind of conflating this with the sort of centrist politics, you know, like I, I feel like that's kind of the underlying case that he's making. People who you are fighting love their kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a funny one. <laughs> Look, just because someone does drone strikes does not mean that they don't love Sasha and Malia. <laughs> Uh, I just got a text from our friend David Spector and he said, we did it. We killed Beto. <laughs> oh, David Spector had the funniest joke about Beto. Uh, Beto is the only person running for president to find himself. Oh, yeah, that's funny. perfect joke. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I'm not I'm not like thrilled that Beto dropped out. I would have much rather seen Mayor Pete drop out. Oh, like, my God. And it was so funny to watch him Andrew fight Yang. Too. Uh, yeah. Well, soon. I think we'll, I mean, no. No, Andrew Yang, I guarantee you, Andrew Yang is, does not have the humility to drop out. Yeah. And Pete, Pete won't drop out for a few primaries at least. He sees, I mean, he's really doing well in the polls in Iowa. Um, and I saw like a CNN clip of him saying that the race was like between him and Warren, even though Sanders is ahead of him. It's like Warren Sanders him. Yeah. Um and yeah, what is Pete? CNN? No. Um but you know, he's <laughs> just yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's not going to drop out cuz he's got so he's got a war chest now. He has so yeah. much money. Um but anyways, I also want to give a shout out to um uh, a very de dedicated listener of the podcast uh who who talks to me a lot about about things that we uh that we talk about. Uh John Ozelay. Oh, cool. Thank you. Love Thank you. Jono. Thank you, Jono. But anyways, yeah, uh, Barack Obama is, uh, I appreciate the fact that he did not endorse Joe Biden and that Joe Biden had to go on national TV and say that he told Barack not to endorse. That was so funny. 
There was like another strong candidate for reply guy of the week. There was a, a reply guy runner up, um, and that is Hannibal Burris. Hannibal Burris. So in response to Bernie's tweet about how we need universal rent control, um, <laughs> Hannibal Burris said that we don't. No, he said wrong. Wrong. Yeah, and then asked people. This is my very part. And then yeah. he asked people to donate to a landlord's organization. <laughs> the Illinois Landlords Organization. Like, please, how- please donate. Like it's a fucking GoFundMe for yeah. someone's cancer treatment yeah like how how many rich people do you have to hang out with before you think that anybody is going to donate to a landlord organization i I just uh, it's the stupidest thing i've ever seen i don't know i did want to i did want to talk about something that that dropped just today i think um beto again i get it we love him he's hot he's hot (laughs) he skates he skates he's skating away into the sunset i really i again i really do wish that it had been a few other people in the race and not him but everybody pretty much everyone who's dropped out who's had like the humility and the foresight to drop out has been generally like besides seth moulton someone i i didn't entirely hate like your jay insleys and yeah your- do you think when beto like saw the latest polls he was just like fuck <laughs> <laughs> just called you it. know again you know i wish fucking tulsi would drop out Jesus. she's never going she's to. never gonna drop out no. all these psychopaths you're not gonna drop out um but anyways elizabeth warren came out with a more detailed expansive version of uh her vision for medicare for all and Addie Barkin did a write-up for it in The Intercept. And um, basically, he was pretty enthusiastic about it, even though he is, I think he's probably in the in the Bernie camp. He's, um, Addie has been a big advocate for, um, you know, disability rights. And um, he's a huge Medicare for All advocate. So his seal of approval is on this is is something that i th- i think is a, a pretty good sign and they've been friends for a long time too yeah um so basically uh, i'm just gonna read a quick excerpt of what he wrote for the intercept um on the rev so basically it's you know zero dollars at the point of service uh entire just full coverage for everyone um, details how this will save us $11 trillion over 10 years. And basically it's uniquely, it's a, it's a plan where he says Warren is arguing that single payer is the only way that we will save this much money and have a comprehensive healthcare system that covers everyone and saves money. So he says on the revenue side, she eliminates the ability of corporations to hide their profits overseas and the ability of mega wealthy families like the Kochs and the Waltons and the Sacklers to avoid taxes through uh, accounting gimmicks and the capital gains loophole. She bumps up her wealth tax, which has been a big critique from the left is that her wealth tax wasn't aggressive enough. She funds the IRS properly. So the agency can actually collect that revenue. Republican um, parentheses, Republican lobbyists and lawmakers have starved it for decades because they are um, corrupt. (laughs) And the plan fills in the revenue with employer side tax that is equal to current employer healthcare expenses. What a lot of these debate moderators have been doing to Warren in particular over the last few debates is 
asking her repeatedly, will your plan raise taxes on the middle class? (laughs) They want to get her to say that it will, because that would become a Republican ad instantly. If she said that the middle class taxes on the middle class were raised, immediately you'd have millions of dollars in Republican ads all over the country. But she has refused to answer the question until now, and she basically found a way to do the math on this in that only the wealthiest families and corporations, their taxes would increase. Um, so, yeah, I think overall it's like, a net positive. I think there are certainly a lot of arguments on the left that like Bernie's plan is still better and that's fair. Um, But this is an unambiguous step forward for Medicare for all because I think particularly because of Warren's place in placement in the panoply of American politics. Yeah, I am Matt Brunig from People's Policy Project um, had a good piece, which we will post in the show notes. And and we'll also post uh, Addie's piece as well. Yeah, you know, it kind of goes into some of the critiques for why um, it might not be as effective uh, to do this tax, um, on employers. Um, it's definitely very wonky and (laughs) it just came out today. So I have not had enough time to really think it through and understand it, but, um, we'd love to have someone on the show soon too. I think that can like break down the differences in these plans. I mean, for me, I feel like this, I, I think I agree with you that it's a huge, victory um i also think that it's just kind of like a baller move to like go away and then come back yes. with something right ra- like there's part of me that just loves the own yeah um <laughs> uh you know i think that the most persuasive argument to me about why bernie is still better on this issue is because um is really I think it's still going to really take a movement to push this through. And I think Bernie is the one like with a movement behind him. That's not to say that I don't think that Warren could do that, but it's just not, not something that I think we've seen to the same degree so far. But, you know, I I think it's, I, I think it rules that this is becoming like a kind of a more mainstream position to take and yeah i i I think it's really great i mean yeah it's so so it's two out of the top three candidates yeah now running on an unambiguous single-payer platform yeah it's not medicare for all who want it which is such garbage i hear who is it who says that pete Buttigieg. pete Buttigieg. yeah say that one more time i'm gonna throw myself off a bridge i it's it's a nonsense term. It's it might as well be the Patriot Act. I just don't. Yeah. I hate it. Well, Anyways. I mean, it is kind of like in that vein, you know, because he's it's, it's all this talk about uh, freedom. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's the illusion of choice. And yeah. Anyways, Pete is dumb. And yeah. And if you haven't listened to our episode on uh, Medicare for all with Natalie, sure, I definitely recommend it. Uh, one thing that she did a really good job of talking about, which uh, I learned a lot from is why choice is actually an illusion not yeah. a good thing yeah. right so let's do some recommendations um i would like to recommend a piece in jacobin this week by alex 
Press. Um, it is called On Deadspin, and it is about um, what just happened at Deadspin and also um, what's been happening to leftist media in general. Basically, Splinter, uh, yeah, Gawker. Yeah, since, uh, especially since uh, Great Hill Partners acquired GMG, um, which, uh, you know, in addition to owning uh, Splinter and Deadspin, uh, has uh, Jezebel, uh, The Onion, um, and a bunch of other sites. Uh, so uh, a bunch of Deadspin employees resigned earlier this week because um, Greyhill Partners told them, you know, just stick to sports when the site was kind of known for its kind of leftist analysis, political content, like sports, but yes, yeah, like also like looking cultural at, political content. Yeah. Like it, the backbone of this issue is the fact that Deadspin was already very profitable as a website. This was, this was something that like Great Hill just kind of did for sport. Because yeah. They and wanted also to. like the political posts, you know, we're doing as well or better exactly. as, a post, as a sports post. And anyway, so, um, all their writers resigned um, yesterday. And then today, this is Friday, uh, there was one... Some of them got got fired. Oh, some got fired. Yes, you're yeah. right. Um, today, there was a, one guy who did a freelance piece for them um, and was owned on Twitter badly for, for being, being a scab. scab. Um, and then he said he was never going to write for them again, which is, is kind of cool. Um, I, I mean, it's sort of cool that Twitter worked in that way. But I mean, also, you know, to his credit, he... He took the feedback. You could easily see someone like that um, doubling down. Uh, our friends at uh, Barstool Sports have been <laughs> oh, um, up in the fucking replies of every Deadspin writer being like, oh, you know, you pussy. <laughs> God. Yeah. So but anyway, Alex's piece does a really good job of um, sort of going over what's been happening. Um, and we'll post that in the show notes as well. Ugh, once again, I mean, yeah, you hate to see another fucking publication like that die. In the, I feel like we were just talking about Splinter a few weeks ago. It's really horrible. It really sucks. There's so many great writers who now are out of a job, and it is all because of private equity firms. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, and Bernie was tweeting about it, which is yeah. cool. Threw some support to Deadspin. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation this week is um, a book that I've been reading that I'm almost done with, and um, it's really great. It's a it's a book of poetry. I don't read a lot of poetry, but um, uh, Olivia Gatwood wrote this, wrote this book of poetry called Life of the Party, and she's just had, like, a really interesting life and, like, a her childhood and adolescence has been she you know she lived in uh south america she is just very she's just like a very cool person she has a great podcast and her co-host is uh melissa lozada oliva who we have had on the show um and yeah the book's called life of the party it's the poems are just like so raw uh her podcast is called say more it's also really great uh both of them are pretty pretty lefty that's awesome i can't Um, wait to check it out i really loved your other book recommendation that you gave me which is maggie nelson's the argonauts i loved that book boy i love your taste in lit thank you um we we love lit we have a really good show for you today, a really good interview. Um, I got to interview Maria Bamford a couple weeks ago, who is 
one of our comedy heroes one of the we best. absolutely stand uh it's not that political of an interview but maria is so fun and she's, um, the, she's truly she's one of the greatest one of the greatest of all time we talked I about love her the internet self-help books um she's just really lovely and I love her so much. we hope you enjoy it and we will be back next week bye Oh my gosh, we have a very special guest on Reply Guys this week. I'm so excited. I'm in the green room of the Bell House with the legendary Maria Bamford. Oh my gosh, Kate, what? Um, I'm, I'm sorry, it's a legendary. You're a legend no, to me, but no, I, that's what well, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very grateful uh, to be uh, thought of it all, and uh, n- now, now I'm a part of the the kids what the kids are listening to you know because this is the you know to be on a podcast uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so you know this is uh, a feminist comedy political podcast yes. so we could talk about uh any of those three things or even something totally different than that um i am i would I love, uh, I just want to say how much I appreciate how many more women there are and that I would love to see more representation in comedy clubs across the country. Some clubs do have that, um, comedy addict, uh, attic, not addict. The comedy addict. addict. Someone who cannot stop going to comedy comedy. Um, That's a good club. Acme in Minneapolis is it's not, anyways, they're all okay for percentage wise, but, and then Portland and Helium is a little bit better, but it just, for the most part, there still are not um, many women headliners or feature acts in cl- clubs uh, or the percentage is a lot lower than it should, could be. Yeah, I definitely noticed that. And it seems like, because it's not for lack of talent at all. No, it, it seems like you have to do so much more to prove yourself as a woman. Like the the threshold for credits is so high. Like I've seen guys headlining with like 5,000 Twitter followers and they're not that funny. But it's like women have to really, I think, uh, cross a much bigger threshold, I think. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I I don't know what exactly what's going on. Uh, but I would like it to change. What is, has it changed during the time that you've been doing comedy? The great thing is so many festivals and how that is really more representative of many different points of view, uh, than the, but the clubs themselves are almost exactly the same as I remember, uh, talking to you before about how there's one blonde a year, (laughs) one black woman, one blonde a year. Maybe that's it. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. They they maybe have three, three women a year or, um, but it's really surprising. And, uh, especially when you know that women are a huge draw, that there's so many incredible female comics who are uh, a draw. Um, and, I don't understand. I don't, I can't believe that it's about money, that it's about, oh, yeah, people only want to come see male comedians. That just is not true. Like, that's just not true from, from the internet. You just know that's not true. Yeah, it definitely doesn't, it doesn't seem true. The shows that I've been at where there's uh, the headliners, women are usually really full. So, yeah. 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 I don't, I mean, there's definitely like, I don't know. There's definitely not like people that are out in the audience going like, uh, 
no women here, please. I don't know. But it seems like also, um, it seems like there's a big stand-up scene like outside of clubs that didn't necessarily exist like yes. 20 or something years ago. And it seems like a lot of people, you know, have like, were very much part of building that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, well, um, definitely the alternative scene, which I wasn't yeah. really totally a part of it, but when it was just did that you could do comedy anywhere. And I, I, I am definitely a proponent of that, that I think, uh, if there isn't a place in your town that you feel comfortable performing, make it yourself. Uh, do it in the your storage unit. I started comedy in a laundromat. That oh. was uh, the biggest uh, place in San Francisco. That you, it would, there was this laundromat called the Brainwash that is now shut down because of gentrification and um, the host. Sweet guy, but he definitely introduced female comics as sugar tits. <laughs> <laughs> but he was really old, so it almost didn't matter because it was just like <laughs> so nasty. It was really gross. Well, that was another thing he called it. Go, uh, it was sugar nasty. That was like, um, yeah, but so I started there. And uh, yeah, there was people doing laundry in the other room. And I just, it's weird to think about like how much importance I once put on like getting a good spot at this laundromat you know well i mean if it's a good crowd it's a good crowd it was a good crowd and that's the thing about it if you can get them to stop watching uh spanish television for even a minute with this that's wonderful um because there's some good uh telemundos what what has changed since you started i think since i started it was <sighs> Like when I started in San Francisco, I used to go out with these guys after the shows and they would just like say whatever they wanted. Like one guy was really into pickup artist seminars and he was a sweet guy. <laughs> I think he was just really shy. That's hilarious. But, yeah, you yeah. know, he was like, I think that his problem was that he was like a little bit socially awkward. But yeah. the way that he decided to cope with that is by going to these seminars to like kind of teach him you know, how to uh, sleep with women by insulting them. And he would talk about it. And then there was this other guy. Um, I can't, I'm, I'm trying to not say any of these guys' names because I don't want to identify them, but they all had the exact same name. So it's hard. Oh. Different people all with the exact same name. The oh. 80s were a wild time for parents of white Oh. men but um it was a uh, yeah there was another guy who like always had all these girlfriends and um just he was just talking in super like explicit detail about the sex stuff that they would do together and the thing is it didn't i don't know it didn't really I wasn't like mad about it. It wasn't harassment or whatever, but yeah, like, not there if was, everybody's talking about yeah, it at the same time. But at the same time, like, I don't know, like there was this way where like, I always felt like I had to make a choice between like, if I was going to be a woman or one of the guys. And I feel, I guess like a lot of the time I don't have to make that choice anymore because people are just mm. like, have this like slight other awareness of the kinds of conversations we have. And it's not even like, I don't know. Cause the thing is, is especially if you're a comedian, there's like always this pressure to be like, Oh, like I'm cool. I'm a comedian. I'm not yeah. upset about yeah. anything, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just nice in a way that there's not like always this, since like, I have to like suppress my feelings to be around my colleagues. Yeah, that it is a more uh, yeah, it's a w workplace too. Yeah, that people are more cognizant that it's a career choice and that you don't want to make all of your call yeah your coworkers completely uncomfortable uh, with um yeah I think I think that's like with some of the 
the Me Too stuff that's come out is it's more like the anger of like you were my coworker. Yeah, like you know how hard it is, and like it just feels like such a bummer. Like how could you do that to somebody? Like at least to, to me, like how we're doing the same job, and you know how yeah hard it is. It's just. And yeah, it is a bad career choice, but it is still a career choice. Well, I don't I'm know just about kidding. that. No, we'll I'm just work. joking. What are we working three hours tonight? Three it's hours. It's pretty awesome. No, I'm and just then, kidding. And then if it goes well, people just can't stop telling you how uh, how great it was because uh, yeah. they've had a few drinks. Yeah, that's so true. they're like, I just win the things, and it's like, yeah, this is. The best job in the whole world. No, you're right. When it's good, it's really good. It's I really mean, can good. you imagine, like, if a, a, another job, it would, you just, like, after you submitted a spreadsheet or whatever, like, 100 people just came up and hugged you and were yeah, like, that yeah. was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are just like this, my best friend who's right now, she's kind of, she moved to London. Like, yeah, you don't get that at work during the day. We get. <laughs> Real feelings. Um, so do you ever talk, do you ever talk about politics in your act? I mean, I know the answer, but I just, the mildest bit, just because I, I feel like I, I'm, I, I've tried par- parliamentary debate in college. Oh my gosh. And I was raised in the Midwest in the eighties or seventies and eighties where I was not socialized to argue in public with, or have different opinions. Mine, my, my go to is shut down. So any show, like I, I can't do panel shows. Like I've tried to do panel shows for comedy and I am just a nightmare. I, I was on one panel show where I said nothing the whole half hour. They said, Marie Manford. And then I said, and that I just waved. And that was all I did the whole thing. Cause I just, I can't jump in. I'm not a jumper in her. It, I think overvalues the aggressive personality type in those situations, you know? Well, and I wish, so that I think because I, uh, I don't always fully understand the system. I mean, I know that even the, from what I've tried to learn about our government, it all seems like it's completely fallible anyways. So it seems like almost like going, you know, reading the Bible, like, uh, is that the Constitution? Uh, people kind of believe in it, but it's all kind of like it's not. I don't know. It's I. Yeah, no, you're right. I think that is going to be a more honest time when, like, uh, like I don't know, twenty years from now, when it just sounds like when somebody says it says in the Constitution that it just sounds <laughs> like it says, it says in the well, Bible. It's like yeah, yeah, that's 14. really cute that you believe that that is still a thing. We are on our way there, I think. Well, well, because it does. Yeah, it does feel. But I, I think that's the thing is I, I don't feel like I'm I'm very good at um, articulating um, what uh, my my thoughts are. Or it's, yeah, it seems like to me. One thing I've noticed about you is it seems like you're really good at, like, getting along with people even who have, like, different beliefs than you. Do you have any tips about how to do that? I'm trying to learn. Oh. <laughs> I, I, th- th- I don't know. I, I think the thing is I've just kind of avo- – I do avoidance. I don't I'm, – I'm not very good at that because I'll start to cry. Like, I will, like, really – um, it, it, it's not, yeah, I'm not the greatest at any sort of conflict or somebody, I mean, I've sat 
on a flight, like a three-hour flight with this woman, her telling me how much she loved Trump. And I was just the whole time like, okay, what can I... Her thing was, business is great. We're going on a... I'm I'm just going to a Mexico Cancun vacation. Like, I'm like, like, I could have just asked some sincere questions. Like, so, which I think I did. I think I said, um, Woody, you seem like you're a person who's, uh, you know, likes to read. I'm just a book or whatever. Like, what, what do you like about Trump? Cause he doesn't seem like he's a reader or he doesn't seem. And she's like, Oh, I know he's terrible. He's gross, but he's really working. And I was, you know, so I don't, I don't know. I don't, I guess I write a lot of self-help literature, which is that at least there's, and there's all this, I'm in the 12 step cult, which the whole philosophy there is you can't change people at all, which I don't know if that's just laziness. If we could, if I could change people, if I just read more about Mao and, uh, (laughs) I don't think you can change people. Yeah. I mean, I have changed people's minds on like small issues, but only when they're already like super close to agreeing with me and only when they're, when it's like over a period of time, but like trying to change people, on some kind of fundamental level. I don't know. I almost think you have to have like experiences that change you. I don't really know if I think it comes from conversations. Yeah, you have to have been exactly where that person has been, like yeah. whatever their life experience is. Like, cause I mean, I can relate with that with being in like addiction programs. You can talk to somebody who, or mental health stuff. You can talk to somebody who's had the exact same experiences you have on some level not not always i know there's people i don't get along with who are like uh you who are bipolar and against medication like i mean although i respect whatever choice you want to make i go oh i yeah i don't want that for myself because that didn't work out so well um do you how do you deal with people disagreeing um honestly i usually i usually get in a fight with them yeah so i'm trying to learn how to do something else i mean it depends if it's someone if it's a small disagreement and i really respect the person i will usually just shove my feelings down inside and then uh, wait till later and then tell another trusted friend can you believe this person thinks that um but i don't think that's really a healthy way of dealing with it Mm. um you know, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, with, gossip. Yeah, that's what I do. I'll do I t- that. Like, I'll I try, go, not, I try guess not to gossip. What? Yeah, I try not to <laughs> gossip like, like broadly, but I definitely will do it. I definitely have like a couple friends that believe pretty much the exact same things as me. And mm-hmm. then I, I like anytime uh, someone else does not believe the exact same things as us, we'll yeah. like check in with each other. Oh and can, can you believe that anybody is not a leftist feminist comedian in Brooklyn? <laughs> that is outrageous. And they must be stopped. It is outrageous. <laughs> it's not good. Um, well, yeah, because are there any, because there I have not seen, I've met two evangelical Christian comedians in my lifetime, and um, they were bringing in a lot of money, by the way. I BT can imagine. dubs. Uh, uh, yeah, God pays. Um, but He wants you to be rich. He does. He does. Joel Olstein told us so. Um, what, are, have you heard any far-right comics in Los Angeles? Or not in Los Angeles, New York, in New York. Oh, you know, in, in New York, kind of, in a weird way. Because we, I would think, yeah, near, there might be some. 
we keep having this thing in New York where uh, there's like these like podcast wars. Um, there's a bunch of uh, like kind of right wing pro. They call themselves pro free speech podcasters, but oh. um, I don't know. I think we're all kind of pro free speech. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't think anyone is anti-speech, but it, it gets framed that way. You know, I'm because anti, it's a, like hate speech that says, hey, get up. It like stuff that happened in Rwanda, like get on the radio yeah. and tell everybody who to kill. I mean, basically, it's like I think what it comes down to is there's one kind of more conservative group of comedians that like wants to use racial slurs. And then there's like, you know, even I guess some people are like even lefty comedians that want to use Rachel Sawyer's, and then that's, like, one side of the argument, and then there's, like, another side of the argument that's, like, probably the side I'm on, which is, like, we just, let's not, you know? But then it, like, um, just because, I don't know, I just don't, I don't think that kind of comedy is, like, funny, so, but for some reason, this, like, blows up in, in New York uh, comedy podcasting. There's a big Twitter war oh. every couple months, and I try to just stay out of it. Okay. If possible. Um, okay. Yes, yeah. Jackie Cation will tell me about Twitter wars that I yeah. I don't uh, don't know what's going on about. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I just think, well, um, I mean, I always like it if somebody's doing a character, if they wear a costume or something, so I know they're doing a character. Yeah, exactly. When people do it, like when, when, um, who's the, Howard Stern, he said, oh, I'm just doing a character on the radio. And I was like, it's pretty, it's gone for years. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it seems a lot all, like your person. It seems like it's a lot. Or, you know, put on a little, a little wig. Yeah. You know, if that's, <laughs> if that's your Howard Stern character, you know, it, to, you got to delineate a little bit to tell people what's the stage and what's not. But, but I mean, other, I mean, I don't know, but I guess you don't have to do, you can do whatever you want. Which is, which is, I do like create, create, creative uh, things. There was a, yeah, I, but that is confusing when it's like, because I've never seen a right wing comic perform. So I don't know what they find funny um, beyond what people, liberals already laugh about themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I just don't. I'm. I don't watch that much right wing comedy. I did. I did watch this one right wing comic special like a couple months ago. Oh, well, which kind one of, was that? Uh, you know, I honestly watched like all of Nick DiPaolo's special. Oh, um, oh, is he, oh, is he right wing? I didn't know. He's very right wing. Yeah, and I like. I don't know why I watched it. I watched it. I guess because my friends were making fun of it, and I wanted to see it and just see what I thought of it. And <laughs> it was like a lot about. You know, the kind of, um, if I remember correctly, like it's been a while, so please no one get mad at me if I am misrepresenting this because it really has been a while since I saw it. But mm-hmm. it seemed like it was, it seemed like the takeaway from that special and a couple other um, specials that I've seen recently that feel a little more right wing um, in nature is it like woke culture has gone too far, you know? And to me, I feel like that is an opinion that's being engaged with a lot, like around Mm -hmm. comedy is like, oh, like has like social justice warrior culture like gone too far or whatever. And I don't know, I guess I feel like our society tends to like 
overvalue the things that people are saying online is like a problem like worthy of discussion so what is your relationship with the internet do you go on there i go on yes i'm just as locked in as as anyone i uh i try to make rules with it where i say uh i have a little message on my screen that says why now what for is it important or something like that oh that little quote about kindness uh should you say it oh no 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 it's not about that it was just about whether i should use my phone or not oh yeah but i've done i now i i see it so much that i've completely i don't even notice those words and um no i am it's a it's an issue and it it does take away from enjoyment of uh moments i mean my husband's right here so he can tell you uh uh, he's been a witness to my distractibility. I love, I love the light of the square thing. <laughs> it's not a square. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, I, I, I try to, to, to get, I, I don't definitely, I don't read comments on videos or anything, you know, I, I try not to, and if anybody's mean or says something really awful, I'll, uh, I'll like it and mute, like it and mute, you know, just go, you know, everybody, you can free, free to have your own opinion. Awesome. And, um, and I do answer all my own stuff because <laughs> it's weird. Like that. I had somebody helping me with social media and then that gets weird because then it's like there's the other person saying things that are kind of like things you might say. It's really a pretend you a pretend you it's it's very odd. So I was like, oh, that doesn't seem right anyway. But I'm totally behind. I don't know what I'm doing on the Internet. Um, so what's the best tip that you've ever read in any self-help book about anything? Oh my gosh. Um, I think, you know, I like the, the, I I don't know which ones say that, but they all say some version of this. Do it. Do the thing. Go confidently in the direction of your dreams. You know, that kind of thing. Like that's been helpful. And then ask for help and trying to ask people for help. Cause I, I think I feel embarrassed that I still, uh, need ideas or, or help um, as I've gotten older, like to go, oh, well, what do you do? Like, what what do you do if you get a really mean uh, comment on Twitter? And I, I get people, people tell me to kill myself. People tell, I mean, it's just, and it will take me out for the rest of the day. I'll just be like, uh, like, what do you do? Um, I try not to read them. It's funny, though, because I did read the comments on my last on, on this YouTube video that I just had for Connie Central. I, I did read the comments and I, I was just curious. I don't yeah. know why. And it was all the people saying the same hateful shit that used to really bother me. But for some reason this time, I thought it was really funny. Oh. It was like a bunch of people kind of debating if they would fuck me. And some guys were like, <laughs> I would fuck her. And then some guys were like, I would not fuck her. And I was just like... One of the great arguments of yeah. the century. And I was just like, <laughs> you would all fuck me. Yeah, you're, exactly. Your YouTube no commenters, yeah, you for clearly. sure would fuck me. <laughs> I was there, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. Oh my god. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I don't know. It's just, I guess, I guess it's just, I don't know what it is. I, I feel, I feel, I feel a lot less sensitive to it than I used to. Maybe because I have encountered some more, even more serious trolling. Like when I was telling you about the podcast wars uh, in New York, I was like, I was on one side of a, a podcast war. I, I walked off a podcast uh, in New York once because they were saying racial slurs and I didn't want to be on it anymore. And then that podcast like came after me. They were talking about oh. joking around about uh, raving me for another uh, like month and a half. And the thing is, is I don't think all their listeners knew that that was a joke. Of course not. And so that of got <laughs> that got pretty scary. But I think after that, um, like your your run of the mill reply guy who's just like, yeah, I don't know, I don't really like her chin. Like that guy seems more funny to me now. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's no big deal. Yeah, that's true. Um, I I did file a restraining order against Trump. And um, can and, you and, will, and, will you tell us a story? Yeah, yeah. Well, I just thought because I did think he, you know, I thought of it as a premise, like doing that because he is so gross and awful and I just don't even want him coming to my city. I don't want anything from it. I don't want, you know, it's that sort of disgust. And then I thought, you know, comedians do have good ideas. And like the guy said, send a high school marching band to Afghanistan. I was like, that is a fantastic idea. Like it's ridiculous. Wait, so a guy sent a high school marching band? I always thought, that was his idea. Oh, okay. To send it. And I was like, yeah, why don't we do... I mean, if it's a hopeless cause and people are willing to volunteer, why not do something bananas? Like, so I, I like... So that's the thing I thought uh, I would actually fall through on it. So I I did it. And... Um, Can you put the mic a little? Oh, I did it. And... Um, uh, yeah, I didn't think it was a big deal. I just, you know, I t- t- tweeted it that I was doing it, and uh, and but then it was a slow news day, and then I think somebody picked up on it from news cycle, you know, and it was like, you know, got some really awful p- p- tweets, people like death threats saying, "I know where you live," and all oh, that stuff, up. and you're just like, oh, it just started as a okay. And and it was weird because the guy, the judge denied my request, but then he said I could come back for another uh, appearance to uh, reapply. And I just didn't because I was so, I felt scared. Um, I just felt like even if it was a statement, it was like a dumb statement that was wasting people's time. Like, I mean, obviously there's people in a domestic court that are uh, applying for genuine restraining orders. Um, so... Yeah, it was a more of a, a stunt, and I felt like, oh, maybe it was weird and selfish and creepy for me to do it as a funny thing. Not a funny thing, but just, like, I think I felt really, I generally felt, feel desperate. And was just like, well, this is, you know, that whole thing of, like, one person can make a difference. And I was like, what if I could make a difference? <laughs> it makes sense to me. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, but, oh, well. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's kind of a crazy thing to think about. Like, I think about this all the time, like the ways that our minds have been have like adjusted to accepting things as normal that we shouldn't accept as normal. And I don't even mean like in the way that people just say, like, this is not normal like about Mm -hmm. Trump it's just like it's weird that 
I don't know. It's weird to me that we have like adopted this mentality of like, oh, obviously we have to trash the planet. Oh, obviously yeah, we yeah. should go to war. It's like, no, actually this stuff is like really bad, you know? But then if you're like one of those people that uh, talks about how that stuff is really bad, it's it's easy to start seeming... Um, Bananas, bananas, crazy. pretty quickly. Well, yeah. And also, I didn't want to give. Part of me was like, oh, I don't want to give liberals a bad name because I was like, I do have mental illness, and people are super prejudiced about that. And like, if I do something kind of wacky, it just it felt all around like a terrible idea after I did it. And um, yeah. So, oh well, uh, it's done now. So, Maria, is there any? place that um our listeners can find you or anything you want to promote well um my website is mariabamford.com um if you like to follow me on twitter sometimes i do one-on-one shows if i'm in your town the day of the show i'll need to practice and so i'll i'll pick somebody from twitter and we'll uh, do a practice show that way you get a free meal did i mention that a free meal Sometimes I'll give merch. Sometimes I forget it. Sometimes I will bring merch, though. And then um, I perform an hour at you, and you got to stay for the full hour. Or you have to give the meal back. Well, (laughs) listen, it hasn't come to that. But, yeah, I would feel like there was some kind of debt in in play at that point if you left early. (laughs) All right, Maria, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at O Julia Tweets, which is O-H Julia Tweets. And Twitter is where you can also find our Reply Guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is your land.